right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a low right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Happy April 4th to you. It is the 34th year anniversary on this very day of Danny and the Miracles. Happy day for that reason. Anything else to be happy about here? Anything at all. RCST trophies in. Yeah, uh, we're going to have RCST trophy. trivia starting up. Registration is going to start up on Wednesday. That's right. Another edition of trivia. We have all sorts of new prizes. The trophies are in. They're awesome. Sweet looking trophies. Oh, my gosh. And so many other great prizes, including Grand Prize TV from 23rd Street Brewery. So registration will start for that Wednesday. That's going to actually start up next Monday. So in a week from now, we're going to go from this bracket to the next bracket. But uh, anything else? Anything else going on today? I'm looking for plans. I don't know. Mm. Well, I do know one thing that's going on tonight. Wait a minute. I think I might, too. Spring training baseball. Okay. Mm-hmm. I feel like something's happening tonight that was a consequence of something that happened Saturday night. Hmm. Did you get in trouble? You no. You like a court appearance? No, no. I think there was a game, games Saturday night, and the winners of those, game, those games oh, played that's tonight. Right. That's right. There we have a trusty little bracket. Oh yeah, the bracket's right up on there. Carolina, Kansas. Yeah, Kansas in the national championship game. Uh, We're going to spend a lot of time previewing the game itself. I do want to basically just think of this is going to be one giant pregame. Exactly. I mean, we're out early today at five thirty. Westwood One's going to take over. They're going to continue on with their pregame show five thirty six thirty. Then the Jayhawk Radio Network's going to continue on with their pregame show at six thirty till tip off at eight twenty. So. All sorts of KU coverage here on KLWN uh, throughout the night. I do want to kind of, before we look ahead to the Carolina, you know, it's it's so easy uh, without us having a Sunday show to recap the Villanova game. I do want to because it you still won a Final Four game. That deserves some recognition and some talk about. We're going to spend the entire 4 o'clock hour talking about the Carolina game, and it, it, it might still get brought up, like, genuinely in this conversation as we talk about this game. But again, this is a big deal, like, even winning a Final Four game is a very big deal, and it deserves its own sort of conversation. Uh, by the way, your NCAA tournament coverage here on RCST brought to you by Cycle Zone Power Sports. Big city selection and small town service on bikes, off-road vehicles, and watercraft located off Highway 24 in Topeka. Make that fun and exciting purchase you know you've been wanting for the spring and summer ahead with Cycle Zone Power Sports. Your RCST NCAA tournament coverage also brought to you by Panky Foundation Repair. What's the key to a strong team? A strong foundation. It's the same for a house. Get your home's foundation inspected today for free, plus receive 10% off if you call and mention you heard this on Rock Chalk Sports Talk at 785-505-0577. That's Panky Foundation Repair and Cycle Zone Power Sports. KU Downs Villanova, 81-65 in the final in the early game on Saturday. And if I would have told you, you know, before the game started, it's it's four o'clock on Saturday, and I, I lean over to you and I say, I, I got a crystal ball. Villanova is going to make 13 threes. They're going to shoot 42% from three. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also going to gather two more offensive rebounds than you. Christian Brown won't score in the first half. 
Remy Martin's going to have just three total points, which, by the way, he's now exactly one point away from 2,000. Um, what would be your confidence level going into that game? I would need to. I, I would. It would be low, and I would say, boy, I hope uh, David McCormick eight down low against their uh, smaller big men, and that's exactly what happened. It is, and Ochai went. I mean, off, everything, right? everything that you kind of wanted for what Villanova would have wanted, I think happened for them. Um, they, I mean, they, but except no, that's a lie. Offensively, mm-hmm. but defensively, um, Villanova just couldn't handle Kansas. They absolutely, Kansas was running in ways to get, uh, they were getting open looks. Those looks were falling. Uh, David McCormick was feasting. Um, you know, there was one run. Villanova kind of got close when Mitch came in in the second half, and it looked like Self was going to try to wait till I think the under 12 timeout, and Nova kind of made a, had a quick little spurt, and, and Self, decided not to wait till the under 12 and put McCormick back in I think with like 1241 or something left in the in the game um I, I just I assume he was wanting to keep him till the under 12 timeout but it didn't work out um but you know they scared you a couple times getting within six you missed a shot uh up six and David you know David I don't know if McCormick got that offensive rebound I think but he, he did. scored um, and that, you know, went back to eight. You had a couple times where you kind of scared with them, you know, they're within six. Um, and then you just, you know, they, they didn't have the energy to, after getting down so early, they didn't have the energy to make a full-on comeback. And every time they had it, you know, every time Kansas, or every time Villanova made a run, Kansas had an answer. Yeah. And they kept answering, and they kept answering, and they wound up winning by 16. The game started out feeling like, oh, is this going to be pure revenge for 2018? Yeah, you're up 38-19. Yeah. And, and they had a chance, and I, I very much remember saying, like, uh, kind of making note of how big of a shot it would have been. You're talking about the Remy The three? Remy Martin, he yeah. shoots a three. There was, it was a good look, if I remember he was open, um, up 38-19, where if you hit that, you're up 22. And, you know, I, I don't know, maybe it doesn't change things, and maybe just instead of uh, it being a six-point game at that one point, it's just nine and, and nothing else changes. But it almost felt like if that one went in, it's like, no, this one's over for sure, and then you are headed down that course. But then Villanova did claw back, and uh, Colin Gillespie was fantastic. He hit big shot after big shot for them. I mean, a lot of them were pretty good defense as well from KU. They were just making shots. and Yeah, the, most of their only, off the top of my head, most of their open threes all came from offensive rebounds. Yeah. I can't remember. I'm sure it happened, but I can't remember too many times where they got um, a, 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 a an open three in their first offensive set. A lot of their open threes came from a missed shot that led to an offensive rebound. And that's a little concerning tonight to kind of drag that game into it because Carolina gets a lot of offensive rebounds and they have one of the best rebounders in the country in Armando Baycott and they have good three-point shooters around them. So that is a little bit scary for tonight, but you were able to survive it in that game and, and it basically comes down to this. I think I saw a uh, a stat on Sports Center as I was watching that night and it said um, Ochak Baji, David McCormick are the first pair of teammates to ever in a final four game both have 20 or more points both shoot above 70 percent it was remarkable they 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 were incredible i mean there were there were contributions from other players there were like um 10 in the second half from brown yeah 10 in the second half from brown including the biggest shot of the game two two of the biggest shots the one at the end of the 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 buzzer dagger right yeah and the one that i think at least for me kind of and i i i get a little you know, more neurotic than, than some fans. So some fans may have always already thought, all right, this is it, it's over. But for me, the one that, that I was like, okay, this is it, it's it's done, 
wasn't the the heave at the buzzer because I think that went from nine to twelve, which was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, when I said, "Okay, this is done," Kansas is winning is when he can the three to go from um, I think thirteen to sixteen, seventy five fifty nine. That yeah. was the shot for me. He was nails down the stretch, and and I will say, uh, quick aside on on Christian since we're talking about this, like. He is one of those guys where, you know, if, if if Dave starts poorly and he has a bad first half, I'm not saying it's impossible and I'm not saying that we haven't seen it before where the second half all of a sudden is great. But sometimes there are certain guys where if they start poorly, it's like, okay, it's just not his night, right? And, and that happens. These are 18 to 23-year-olds, even pros. That, that happens for, you know, LeBron James, right? Like, it cannot be his night in terms of having a good shooting game. That, that happens. Uh, the thing that Maybe above all else is the best characteristic about Christian Brown, and I think this goes in line with his um, kind of bleep you mentality that allows him to have this. He doesn't let that bother him, and he very much is from a mindset of like he could start 0 for 10. He's kind of of that Kobe Bryant mindset where mm. like, no, I'll shoot the next shot, and I I, I think it's going in. Yeah, you know yeah, what I yeah. Mean? And, and that is such a big, I think, mentality to have in moments like this. And, yeah, and absolutely, because you're gonna have. Against great teams, you're going to have stretches where you're shut down, mm-hmm. and you need to be willing to keep trying. But yeah, and, he, and Christian Brown has shown a willingness to do that. Yeah, he he contributed. Dewan Harris had some big threes. He's been nails from three point range. That this, was uh, it, the, in, the in tournament, tournament play. Yeah. I mean, go back to last year. I mean, even his defense on Colin Gillespie. How many great. times did he poke the ball away or make yeah. him really have to work for it? Right, um, like. Really, what Colin Gillespie did offensively, it wasn't because he was backing down in the post. It's because he's just hitting good threes. Yeah. Right? Um, you got contributions from, I don't know, uh, I, I guess you could point to Jalen Wilson having double-digit rebounds again. And, like, you go down the list. But it really did almost feel like you were kind of being carried with those slight contributions by those two guys. Ochag Baji and David McCormick, a combined 46 points on 16 of 20 shooting. Yeah, they were outstanding. There's no other word for it. They were completely outstanding. Um, the only thing you didn't get from Ochai was, uh, you know, a bunch of drives to the hoop, mm-hmm. and that's because he didn't have to. No, he had wide open, he had wide three. open threes. Hits his first six from the field, and and it was so great to see that too because you know we, uh, Bill Self talked after the game, and uh, he he mentioned one of the things about Ochai. Different people would tell him, you know, be more aggressive or. Um, look for your shot more or do this or that. And Bill said, you know, I just told him, just keep doing what you're doing. He said, sometimes, you know, we see players who they do everything right and it's just not falling for him. And he said, that's how it's been for Ochai. He's been doing everything right. It just hasn't been falling. He said, just do exactly what you're doing. Do exactly what you're doing. And, and it's so... It's so funny because it's so easy for me and you or fans or whoever, and I, I don't mean this as a negative, like this is just this is just the great mind of Bill Self to sit there and say, what's going on with Ochai? Is he tight? Uh, what's wrong? And Bill Self's just sitting there going, no, he's fine. He's doing everything right. They're going to fall. Yeah. And they ended up falling into that point, and, the biggest game of the season. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and it kind of was an extension of the second half against Miami, um, in, in which, we, you know, we talked and, and was it yelling, you know, what did self say at halftime? And, and the player said there was, it was calm. He just talked talked about the adjustments to make against Miami, and obviously that worked. Um, I, I've kind of thought, and, and you know, we, we heard and we'll hear from, from self and the players later because they met with the media yesterday, but we've talked all week just about how incredibly confident self sounds. He's not shying away from 
the titles that these other programs have won since KU won their last. He's not shying away from any of that. No. And he's just sounded so confident this whole week. And then we, we kind of wondered, you know, is that about, you know, is that kind of a, well, his team seems tight, so he's trying to pump him up, or is he just got an ace up his sleeve and he just sees how confident his team is? And at least Saturday, we saw an extremely confident team that was attacking. There was no passivity from no. Kansas Saturday night against Villanova. Yeah, and and I think it gives you confidence headed into tonight, too, that you know if it would have been another kind of struggle of a performance from Ochai, you go into tonight and say, I don't really know what to expect there. Because you saw that, it doesn't yeah. guarantee he's going to do yeah. well. I mean, what did Brandon Rush do in the title game? He 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 had a fine game, but it yeah, wasn't he like had a, 25 or something against Carolina. Right, and yeah. then, it, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 or something in the title Shady game, Shady right? was the big, was the big yeah, stat. Shady that. He had and 20, Chalmers. Yeah. He had 20 and 10. Chalmers, of course, with the shot. Um, so it's no guarantee he plays well tonight, but I guess I do have more confidence now going into tonight that he will play agree. well, and Although, that if he doesn't play well, it's just, it being, just happened. Being you know? the neurotic fan I am, mm-hmm. I would say, like, had he struggled Saturday night, I'd be like, oh man, he's not got, you know, he doesn't have it. <laughs> yeah. But because he did great, I'd be th- oh no, did he waste it Saturday night? <laughs> Again, those two things have really nothing mm-hmm. to do with each other. Um, but that's, you know, it... it but yeah, you are right. It, it feels there's. You obviously would have rather seen it than than not seen it. Yeah, no. And to we that saw point, it it's funny because you like we can see Caleb Love hitting everything for North Carolina the past couple. Oh, he's gonna we go, Oh no, he's gonna kill us. And then Ochai does it, and and you're like, oh no, did he did he use up all his? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It's it's just kind of funny how we look at it sometimes. Um, but David McCormick, great as well. And we talked about this going into the week. It, it very much is. Well, how does Kansas defend the small ball five or the you know lifting of the center up to the three point line and hitting threes on you? Uh, I think it helped. Eric Dixon started two or zero of two, and he did not really look confident in wanting to shoot from then on. I don't think he uh, felt comfortable in that arena shooting there because he's a fifty percent shooter. Mm-hmm. He never takes really more than one or two, but he was open sometimes. He didn't take them, and that was a benefit for KU. So that helped on that end, and then. Dave was just dominant on the glass. He was dominant on the offensive end. They didn't have anyone that can check him. And it's funny because if you were to go through each of the individual games for KU in the tournament and assign one MVP for every game, right? I, I don't know who it would be in the first game. It doesn't matter. So let's just go second round on. Because um, the first game, you could pick any of the starting Yeah, they were five, great. Right? Um, second round, probably Remy, right? Oh, yeah. Sweet 16, probably, probably Remy. Remy. Uh, Elite 8, Dave? Question mark? Yeah, I mean, I'm he had what think. 15. He had those big points in the second half. You could probably argue yeah, a lot of people o- there as Ochai, well. Ochai, you know, mm-hmm. had he really woke up in the second half. But again, half. Dave was but all Dave, Midwest region. Yeah, Ochai was not exactly. Right? I yeah, but yeah, you're absolutely right. And then in the final four, you could argue Ochai or Dave. But the point is that if you want to go with Dave in the final four, Elite Eight, you could say those as oh, both yeah. logical answers. And that means that over your last four games. So from getting to the second round to the national title game, you have been carried by two guys that we have talked a ton about over the last, I mean, in the case of Dave, the last two years, in the case of Remy, over the last, whatever, six months. And when we talk about them, it has been a roller coaster of emotion mm-hmm. for different reasons. Yeah, we talk, I mean, the big the big revelation for us over the course of this year wasn't that Dave, um, it, it was, was that Dave's, we, we the, I'm tripping over my words here, but um, the biggest revelation for us with Dave was that his bad games stopped being so mm-hmm. bad. Like, because early on, you saw the occasional 15 and 10, but you also shot saw a lot of two and one or three and twos, that sort of nights, um, where now his bad games have you know become nine and sixes. 
Um, but we saw just an incredible performance. It's funny we still saw a missed dunk early, <laughs> and then he went and had and had another you know few dunks that went in. But um, yeah, we've just we've seen a, a, an incredible emergence from David McCormick over the last few weeks uh, or over the last few games, um, and it's crazy because it, they've been so. You know, both he and Remy have been very, very maligned. Remy with, you know, why is he not playing? Should he, you know, um, is he hurt? What's the deal? Was he, you know, was it, should they have gone after a different transfer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And you're not here with either of them. Yeah. I think Remy would have to, for this conversation I'm about to bring up, would have to score like 25, 30 tonight to be in the conversation because he only had three and didn't really impact the game much against Villanova. If Kansas is able to find a way to win tonight, um, I think that you'd be looking at um, the guys who would still be even alive for the award. It'd probably be for Final Four MOP, Wilson, Brown, Agbaji, and Dave. But Dave and Ochai have a clear leg up on the competition. And that means for Dave, we are one great Dave game away, which it's going to be very hard tonight. As we mentioned, Armando Baycott is fantastic for Carolina. I don't know how healthy he's going to be on the ankle. Seemed to be fine when he came back into the game late, so I'd imagine he'll be just fine. Um, it's also a tough matchup for him. We saw, you know, Dave go against a similar matchup with Oscar Shibwe, mm. which is kind of what Baycott does, and it didn't go so well for KU. But it's also a different Dave since that game. So um, if he has a big-time performance against a big-time player in a big-time game, there is a real chance that we could see 33 McCormick hanging in the rafters in about a decade from now. Oh, yeah. If, yeah, there's no question about it. Because a great performance tonight and a Kansas win, he's the MOP. Um, and that's, you know, that's an automatic, your, your, your name's go, your Jersey's going up there. Uh, and that's a good, for, and you know, good for him, you know, that's yeah very to, to, you know, cause he knows better than we do that he's, you know, what his games have looked mm-hmm. like. He knows he's struggled. He's not, you know, he's a smart kid. He's I got also a think great it's... coach who's not afraid to tell us players when they're struggling. So he knows he's struggled. Um, uh, but to keep, you want to talk, you want to talk about a guy over the course of a game you miss your first few shots, but you, you still step up and keep shooting. That's kind of been Dave over the course of the season. Mm-hmm. He's ignored, you know, he'll have a bad game, but but he's kept at it. And that that's that's an admirable thing, especially when you when you know self kind of gave us a revelation of everything he's had to do just to get game ready with the amount of training he's had to do. Yeah, I think there's gonna be stories that come out tonight um that or not tonight, but in the aftermath of the season, in the off season, that really shed light on how much he was dealing with 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 the foot injury. Um, but man, they're one game away. It's going to be a real tough one. We'll preview it more coming up throughout the show here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. David Lawrence is going to join us at about five fifteen here with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST on FM 1017-1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. So this is the second national title game that we've gotten between Kansas and North Carolina. There's been... Uh, a lot of tournament history between these two. Um, Bill Self has had some good numbers against North Carolina. Also, Carolina has been pretty dominant in title games. I think they're 5-1 and one all-time in title games with the only loss coming on a buzzer beater to Villanova. 
I think that's right. I'll have to go through. I feel like they've won more than five, though. Uh, I might be six. Not well, Helms. I don't know. No, I think I thought, I, thought, I thought their sixth was was the one they got. Maybe it's against six Gonzaga. And one. I think it's six and one. Yeah, yeah. Um, nineteen fifty seven game. A little bit of revenge for that. Now we mentioned last week sixty fifth anniversary. Yeah, we year. had a uh, we had Greg Gurley on the show last week, and he mentioned how his, you know, one of the teams he was on lost to Carolina in the Final Four. Ninety one, Kansas beat Hubert Davis, the North yep. Carolina coach. Ninety three, uh, Carolina beats Kansas with Greg Gurley on the team. Yep. So we got Greg Gurley, who's on the radio broadcast. Hubert Davis, who's coaching the game. Revenge game for them. But yeah, none would be bigger than the revenge for the 1957 game. Yeah, not that we were alive. And but. Uh, if you want to go back, the other, if you want to, I, I brought this up Saturday night. Another, if, you know, today's the anniversary of the win over Oklahoma in '88. How about um, uh, that? Means Saturday, just like that year, the uh, in '88, KU got revenge over a team that had beaten them in a in the final in their most recent Final Four in '88. Uh, they got revenge over Duke, who'd beaten them in the Final Four in '86. Kansas this year got revenge over Villanova. Who beat them in the final four in uh in eighteen. Are you worried at all in the same way yes. that we <laughs> You're just worried in general. I'm a bundle of nerves um, today, man. But like in the same way that we talked about, you know, did Ochai use up all his threes? Um, that like, oh no, Bill Self has beaten Carolina too many times yeah, in a row. And now it's gonna yeah. average back out. Yeah. I mean, I would say I would actually be more confident. It sounds weird. I don't know. I, I'd feel differently if it was going against Roy. Because mm-hmm. self self was good against Roy at Illinois, he beat him in. It, now he was it was a one over a four, so he would have expected the win. But he beat him by sixteen at Illinois in two thousand one. In two thousand two, Kansas was the one. Illinois was the two or was the four, and uh, Kansas won that game. But Illinois it was it was I think seventy three sixty nine. It's a four point game. So a really good Kansas team. Yeah, yeah. and so they they kind of hung with him. So. Um, self seemed to have some sort of magic against Roy um, tonight. I don't know. I'll say this: if kind of like 08, although 08 there was, I think both each team had more talent on it um, on their respective teams. But kind of like 08, it was one of those things where it it was like, okay, North Carolina is going to try to force them to run. And what you saw very very early was Kansas said, okay, we're happy doing that. They just hadn't re- played a running style all year. But if they were very clearly athletic enough to, that if you forced them into it, they were very comfortable, you saw from the results of that game. And I think similar to this year, that if, if the difference is people know, because Kansas has been a good running team all year, um, if North Carolina wants to get them into a running game, they're comfortable there. Yeah, they are. Uh, but yeah, that game in 1957, 54-53, which is super low scoring for a triple overtime game. I'm assuming without a shot clock, I mean, we didn't watch the game, that Carolina just held the ball a lot. Obviously, the story goes that they were triple-teaming Wilt Chamberlain, who still, despite being triple-teamed, had 23 points and 14 rebounds. Um, But, yeah, KU falls by a point. So, get revenge for Wilt. Do it for that team tonight. Um, Quickly, our daily poll for today. KU has, or Bill Self, I should say, has three players. I believe this is right. Has three players who have made multiple Final Fours. Under Bill Self. So, like, Keith Langford went to multiple, Aaron Miles went to multiple, but they didn't do it with Bill Self. Yeah. For, so, for just Bill Self, it's Connor Tehan, Chris Tehan, and Miss, Mitch Lightfoot, I believe, right? Yep. Connor Connor was here for five because he redshirted. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris so 08 has, and 12. Chris, here is, Chris has been here for five because and 22. COVID. And then Lightfoot had both the redshirt mm-hmm. and the extra yep. COVID year. 
18 and 22 as well. So who is the best KU player to make multiple Final Fours with Bill Self? You can vote at RCST1320. I think for fun, people might say Chris Tien or Mitch Light. I think the well, – I don't know. Mitch, Mitch no, Light – I would say for fun, people might jokingly vote Chris, Chris Tien. But Re- I think the answer – I think it's, it's clearly between Connor and Mitch. Um, and both were contributors for a team that went to the national title game. Uh, in Connor's case, he was a contributor for. He wasn't really a contributor in 08, but he was. He absolutely was. In some cases, he was the first guy off the bench in 2012. It was either him or Kevin Young. Um, so both Mitch and, and Connor were the, the two of those three players have contributed the most on the court. So, uh, but I could see some people jokingly put Christian because of his popularity now. I mean, he's a walk on that is able to take advantage of. Nil because he has his own shirt. Yeah, I I think <laughs> I think that if you're just taking like their best season, which would probably be for Mitch this year, and then for Tien, it would be his last year as well. Like the stats are pretty equal. Mitch is around four and a half points per game, three rebounds, and good block numbers. Tien's at five and a half points, two rebounds, but he was um, one of your better three point shooters on a team that didn't have a lot of shooting. He shot like thirty four percent, so he wasn't like yeah, he wasn't you know Devonte Graham yeah, he or wasn't, Speed, yeah, but he wasn't lights out. But you needed him on the floor. I, I think you could argue Tehan for the one year, but I think you'd go Mitch for the overall career. Oh yeah, yeah, Mitch has played way more yeah. in his career. It also helps you get two extra. Even, years, yeah, right? but even if you just go, just take the last four years. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's he spent way more time on the floor than 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 Connor Tehan did. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout when we come back. Bill Self caught up with the media ahead of this game against North Carolina. That on the other side. This is RCST. Four o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. RCST trivia starting up next week. Registration later this week. But we got a championship game to talk about. Championship Monday here tonight. KU North Carolina here here on KLWN. Uh, it's... You know, did, did you know you were going to KU the last time Kansas played in the title game in 12? No, I did not. I, okay. I knew that I was going to KU in, uh, it was about early February of 2013. Okay. So I started, you know, getting accustomed with KU and everything. And then my first intro, introduction into KU in March Madness was uh, the year they lost to Michigan in the Sweet 16, which okay. that was something. Yeah, that was, but, but tough, yeah, tough, it tough happens. ones happen. It happens, you know. Yeah. You play in the tournament every year like you hope you you will and that KU has every year since 1989 or I guess since 1990, depending what, you know how you view that statement. Um, you're going to have tough ones. But hopefully tonight is not one of those for KU. Hopefully it's the opposite of that. Uh, a lot's been talked about about Roy Williams, and, and we mentioned this on Friday. I know other people have mentioned this as well. It is so fun to me that <laughs> in a year where it was all about Coach K and we and, get the Coach K retirement tour, the, he, he did not. He didn't do that. He didn't he, want it, he though. He walked, didn't want yeah, it. he walked away after the season was yes. over. He, this is his retirement tour. The, yeah. the, the coach that he replaced to pick him is going to the title game, and he's playing his other school. Like, yep. We got the, the Roy Williams Bowl, basically. Um, now, I know a lot of people have talked about, like, who is he going to be rooting for? What's he going to be wearing? I think I, it's pretty clear, he's right? He's rooting for Carolina. He is. He Again, he handpicked the coach of Carolina. He recruited most of the players are on that Carolina roster, yeah. right? Um, I I think it's a situation where if, if Kansas wins, I mean, Roy is just a, a very classy guy to begin with, so he would have probably done this no matter who would have won. But if Kansas wins, he's going to clap. He'll shake yeah, yeah, himself's yeah. hand. Yeah, yeah, He'll yeah. be happy for Kansas. 
but yeah, he's he's probably gonna. It wouldn't surprise me if he wears neutral colors tonight. Just because, oh, you think you you don't think? He'll but be, he's gonna be rooting for Carolina. I don't see how he wouldn't. And I don't have a problem with. No, it. I don't have a problem with it either. Yeah. Um, it's I don't see how he would. What? It's his alma mater. Yeah, exactly. Too. I don't see why he wouldn't root for North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I'd be very surprised, and and I agree. I won't have an issue with it. Uh, I'm rooting for Kansas. Yes. Let's in on a secret. So am I. Yeah. All um, right. So this should be a. I'll say this, like above all, whoever wins, and again, you never know, like a team could come out flat or a team could come out playing their A++ game and, and it changes this. But I, I, mean, I we look at last this. year, we saw the final four games yeah. and thought, oh my God, if the final four mm-hmm. games were that good, Monday is going to be yeah. amazing. Baylor, Gonzaga, this and the two best teams all year. Baylor just whooped them. <laughs> yep. Um, so you never know. But I would imagine this is going to be a great game. And I think beyond just how I envision... North Carolina is playing so well right now. I mean, um, if you look at the four teams who made the Final Four, because uh, you can look at North Carolina and say that's an eight seed, um, don't. And it's not just because they've gotten hot at the right time just no, in the tournament. They've good. been hot for a while, right? Very they're just good. good. Um, so this isn't just them beating Baylor a one seed. But let's remember, they were up 25 on one seed Baylor with Brady Manick in the game. You beat UCLA, a Final Four team from last year. Um, you blow out Marquette and St. Peter's. You beat a really good Duke team that had the most NBA talent of any team in the field. If you look at the last 20 games for all the four teams who made the Final Four, and this even includes their most recent games. So in the case of Duke and Villanova, their most recent Final Four losses. Duke is 16-4 and in their last 20 games. Villanova is 17-3. and Kansas is 16 and 4, North Carolina is 17 and 3. You know, this is basically a team who at this point in the season is playing like a one seed. Um Yeah. I, I know that Kevin Flaherty tweeted Bartorvik this out. Bartorvik tweet. Yeah, yeah, the Bartorvik tweet from I, I I think he tweeted out yesterday or something about um since February 1st, North Carolina is the number 1 no, most no. efficient team in the country. Since February I'm sorry, from I'm sorry. Kansas. Kansas, yes, I'm sorry. Kansas is the number one most efficient team in the country since February 1st. North Carolina is the number one most efficient team in the country since March 1st. So, like, these are these are very much the teams that are playing the best basketball right now. These are two very, very good teams. But above that, both teams play fast. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that a lot in past Kansas-North Carolina games. It's, it's a fun tempo of a game, right? It's not Villanova versus Virginia, where... I mean, the Kansas game, that's what else made the Kansas-Villanova game crazy. I think it was 58 or 59 possessions, which is the slowest game KU's played this year, and they still dropped 81 points, which is absolutely remarkable. That's not going to be the case tonight. Uh, North Carolina and Kansas both play at a very fast rate, and above all else, that should make for entertaining basketball. Yeah, I agree. Um, Because, I mean, that that was another thing we talked about. Kansas um, and Newell pointed this out. They had... A freakish in terms of offensive efficiency points per possession, it was incredible for Kansas, like one point three or something. Um, and Kansas didn't even score once in transition. And I went back and I thought about it, and I think the only time they had a chance to score in transition, I think Jalen or Ochai lost the ball. Yeah, I think it was um, Jalen. I know which player you're talking about. And uh, so they didn't. Not only was KU incredible offensively Saturday night, they didn't even score in transition. There's a good chance this could be a faster, much more high-speed transition game. The spread is the same as it was for Kansas minus four, which is the same it was Saturday night against Villanova, but the uh, over-under is about 20 points higher. Yeah, 
And this it's not just that they're fast. I mean, these are two good offenses. Kansas, sixth in the country in offensive efficiency over the course of the season. North Carolina, 18th. But again, both of those are probably better right now than they have been just over the overall body of work. Carolina's 40th in the country in adjusted tempo. Kansas is 65th. So a fast, high-paced game. Um, you know, on one hand, I think that helps Kansas because – you have a team who's deadly in transition. They didn't score a single transition bucket against Villanova. That is wild that you scored 81 points without doing that for one of the best transition teams in the country. You're going to have more opportunities to do that tonight. The key, though, also, Kansas is going to have to play good transition defense because North Carolina can find a way to, to kind of hurt you on that end as well. Um, but as far as like looking into the game plan of, of these two teams, neither team does get a lot of steals defensively. Carolina's been better this year at taking care of the ball offensively than Kansas has, but neither defensively really uh, forces the issue there. But we did see in that Villanova game, and this might be just a a Villanova-exclusive game plan, whereas with North Carolina, you don't want to speed them up like that. But we did see Kansas go out and pressure, you know, play some full-court. Yeah, I think think they're a little too – I think their guards are a little too – athletic Quick to and, do that yeah. i think they're way too quick they'll blow right by you and, yeah. once, and once you do that you just set up a five on four five on three yeah so i don't think you want to do that against carolina i would agree um by the way also we both thought that you know that villanova game could be a game where if the villanova offense was hitting which from three it was that would ku play junk defense they didn't play any junk defense but also they got up so much early that I think villanova did though didn't they yeah they played some zone at different points to try to mess up ku but it didn't really seem to work at least I mean, not for my recollection, and certainly, again, scoring 81 points in less than 60 possessions would say, yeah, maybe try something else. Um, when you look at North Carolina, though, it's actually funny because in a lot of categories, they're, like, very similar to Villanova. Um, offensive rebounding. Offensive rebounding, they're both about the same team there. They're both teams that, you know, they're not, like, top 20 or top 30 or anything like that. But they're both kind of in that like top 100 range. Like Villanova's 75th in offensive rebound rate in the country. North Carolina's 74th. Really? So they're like right next to each other. Now, again, you could say, well, Kansas beat Villanova. You could also say Kansas beat Villanova, but Villanova also did get a lot of offensive rebounds. And they out- well, and, I mean, you've got um, uh, what's the the bank, Banco is Baycott. Yeah. Baycott is, is incredible. Yes, he is. Um, by he's, a, he's a one man record. Again, bro. you go back to Nova, doesn't have to sell out. Mm hmm. Um, didn't have to sell out uh, to to get offensive rebounds. They didn't have to send an extra guy. Which it, th- if you do that and you get the defensive rebound, then they're vulnerable for a transition game. Same thing with North Carolina. Yeah, They've got Baycott exactly. Baycott can do it all himself. Yeah, it's kind of like Oscar Shibway with Kentucky, which I mean, he's very that's good. Scary he's very athletic. Yeah, we saw that game. We saw him bully KU inside. We saw Kentucky bully KU just overall. Um, they're also in line with Villanova in three point percentage. Villanova is 58th in the country at about 35.9%. North Carolina at 36.2% is 50th in the country. So they're about even there. There is a difference, though. We mentioned this last week. North Carolina, or I'm sorry, Villanova shoots we'll shoot a an million unearthly amount. Yeah. Uh, Would they shoot 30? They are against Kansas? against Kansas. I think so, which honestly is like. I they're like 13 It's not like a high number. 31 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, they had the Syracuse game earlier where they had 50 of them. Um, they're 17 yeah, yeah, in the country in, the pre-game in amount of their field goal attempts that come from three. Carolina's not that high. Carolina's about middle pack. They're 160 seconds. So they're like, they shoot a reasonable amount of threes, but it's like basically average to the national average, right? So it's it's not as many as Villanova. Um, 
But you still worry because it is a still good three-point shooting team that they could get hot, and they have individual players that can really get hot. Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Brady Manick, all three of those guys can really just kind of go off on any night on high volume from three and hitting them at high efficiency. And then they're also, like Villanova, again, not to the same extent this time, um, on free throws. Both teams are great at free throws. Yeah. Villanova's like the best all time. Yeah, Villanova's is, I, and I don't know what they shot their season obviously ended they were eight Saturday. Of ten against Kansas, so that means that they're so it actually lowered their percentage. Yeah, because they were eighty three percent, but they're I don't think it would have lowered. And yeah, so I think given that now that their season's o- over, I think you can officially say they are the, in terms of percentage, the best free throw shooting team over the course of a season in the history of college basketball. Yeah, and Carolina is in NCAA. I can't tell you in AIA records. Right, it's a little over seventy six percent for Carolina, which is thirty second in the country. So, like, they're also very good at free throws. So they do a lot of things kind of similarly. It's just me, they get to it very differently. Let me ask you this: Is it might it be a good thing? Well, good thing's not the right word because Bangkok is is incredible, but Manic isn't going to be guarded by Dave. No, that and is that a good thing, right? that kind of means something, right? Yeah, because I think you'd be freaking out more if it was a stretch five, yeah. right? The guy that he sh- should be guarded by is Jalen Wilson. Which, I would guess it's the direction You know, Jalen has his moments of defensive lapses. You want to pick a game to be completely, completely, uh, uh, you know, locked down and, and focused for an entire game. Yeah. Night's the night. Yeah, I want to talk about some individual matchups in the but next it, segment. That just um, occurred to me as, as and look, that's not... I'm not breathing a sigh of relief that McCormick's going no. He can still go Bank, off. I mean, Paulo Bancaro was on him, and he's a mobile four. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so he. Uh, well, no, and I, I just mean um, in terms of Dave because he got Bank. I mean, Bancot had what twenty and twenty the other night, didn't he? Uh, I think I don't know if he got the twenty points. He got the twenty rebounds. Yeah. I, what did he? I thought anyway. Regardless, maybe he did. Yeah, he I was. A, he had a double double and and twenty something rebounds. So he was amazing. Um, so that I'm not breathing a sigh of relief, but it is just something that a lot there are a lot of teams that Kansas would be playing against a team like North Carolina, and Dave would be guarding Manic, not a more traditional big. And conversely, again, this guy's hyper athletic, but we've talked about, um, you know, he won't have the Dave won't have the same advantage uh, against Carolina as he did over Villanova. But we have talked about what does he do against more traditional bigs. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, or just a lot of times, he's been better. Yeah, he has. And then I felt like after the Kentucky game, I was like, oh, no. Did this just get rid of that narrative? I don't know. Um, so that'll be interesting. I, I Like I said, I want to talk more about some of the individual matchups coming up in the next segment. Just finishing out this on North Carolina, though. Uh, they also, and, and this goes back to Armando Baycott. They are number two in the country at defensive rebounding. They just clean up the defensive glass. So you can't expect a bunch of second-chance points. And KU's been pretty good at getting offensive rebounds. You can't expect as many today. They also don't foul. They're eighth in the country in preventing teams from getting to the free-throw line. So you're not going to be able to really get as many second-chance opportunities. You're not going to be able to really live at the line in this game. You're going to have to live in transition by hitting shots, by making tough twos, whatever it is. Um, And overall, you look at... You know, Ken Palm, and you might say, well, North Carolina is just 39th in adjusted defensive efficiency. But really the defense more than the offense, because the offense has always had talent and been good this year. It's taken off from being good to great over the last month or two. But the defense has been what's really changed for North Carolina, for them going from, I mean, they were a bubble team. They were a bubble team two months ago, right? But going from that two months ago, to being a team that, like we said earlier, is 17-3 and in their last 20, and if you just cap it at the last 20, they are one of the best teams in the country. And, and that's the, not a small sample size. No, it's not. That's that's 
you know, more than half. And that's included a you know game, two games against Duke. I mean, they're not playing nobody. No, Baylor and everything. Right. Um, And the biggest thing that's changed for them has been the defense. So it's not just as simple to say they're the 39th best defense in the country. They're playing better than that. And if you go back to, again, those numbers that the Kevin Flaherty was referring to, if you go back to the start of March, so March 1st on, North Carolina has the sixth best defense in the country per Bart, per Bart Torvik. I'll say this. I want to add – sorry, go ahead if you had uh, – No, I, go for it. I just want to say the interesting thing you could say, though, is if, whether you look at KU's defense versus North Carolina's offense, North Carolina's off, you know, or, or uh, KU's offense versus North Carolina defense, either matchup, um, I think one thing to look at is North Carolina has yet to play a defense like KU's, at least mm-hmm. at the level that KU's currently playing defense. But the other side of that is KU really, their defense hasn't really seen an offense like this Carolina offense. Yeah. no. So they're really playing the best, and that's how it should be in the national championship game. They're playing, you know, the be- KU's defense has taken it to a new level, but they haven't seen an offense like Carolina. Um, and, and so these two teams have are kind of seeing, you know, the best versions of their opponent that, they, that they've seen all year. So Carolina has played um, one, two, three, four, five top twenty-five defenses. They have played just one in the top ten um, of the top twenty-five defenses. Saint Peter's is twenty-fifth. Um, you know that is what it is. Kansas actually, they will have played five because Kansas is the other one. The other three that they played, UCLA is sixteenth. They won seventy-three sixty-six, but you know the offense was good that game, not great. Baylor was 13th, and in that game, their offense was outstanding. The other one was Tennessee. Tennessee is third in defensive efficiency, and Tennessee rolled them, but that was back in November. They were a different team, 89-72. This is a positive, though. Going back to February, it's not just that Kansas is number one overall per Bart Torvik since February 1st. Kansas is third on offense. They're fourth on defense. They have been a balanced team. They have been great. But tonight, the biggest challenge of all. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll further preview this one and look to maybe some of the individual matchups that interest us between Kansas and North Carolina. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. we got some more audio to play for you coming up about a quarter till five. David Lawrence is going to join us at 515. We're going to do a uh, prop segment coming up in the five o'clock hour as well. With Adam Brevet, I'm Derek Johnson. So uh, some individual matchups that are interesting to me in this game. The first, I, w- I want to start with Ochai Baji, and I-, I would assume Leaky Black will be on him um, defensively. I don't know who Ochai will be guarding on the other end. He might be on, who knows, Caleb Love or R.J. Davis because they kind of play the two lead guards next to each other. But you worry if, what is what's Ochai going to spend so much defending somebody that he's going to struggle on the offensive end? And then Maybe on they top do put that, him on Leaky and Black. On top of that, just having, for that reason. Yeah, but and that's yeah, you're right. Yeah, they could do that. Um, and then Leaky Block, because you know, if, if they if you do that, you'll have him do, guarding. You know, if you if you don't guard Leaky, if he doesn't guard Leaky Block, he'll, Black, he'll be guarding a really good offensive guard, which that'll take energy. Then there's more energy being guarded by Leaky Black, which he no doubt probably would on the other end. I have an idea. Go for it. 
and again, maybe this is still you're you're taking up too much energy, but I don't think it's as much energy as guarding one of those two lead guards. Ochai on Brady Manick? Because, okay, think he about this. He doesn't run around a lot. So, Brady Manick, um, uh, Kansas very, very familiar from his time at Oklahoma. And Kansas had the perfect player that they put on him. It was Marcus Garrett. It wasn't a big man. Yeah. It was Marcus Garrett. Now, Marcus Garrett is a whole nother level of defender, right? So I, I don't mean to compare in that way. It was so much so that there was a game that Lon Kruger literally put Brady Manick, his best offensive player, in the corner of the offense and just stood him there and had him do nothing just to take Marcus Garrett away from the action defensively. That's how good of a defender Marcus Garrett is. But nonetheless, it makes me think, like, what are you more worried about? Are you worried about Brady Manick overpowering Ochai in the post? I mean, he can. He's taller than him, but he's not, like, way stronger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or are you more worried about his threes? Because I'm more worried about his threes, would, so yeah, why I would not have Ochai chasing him around? That's an interesting idea. Um But then it becomes, and, and then you could put Jalen Wilson on Leaky Black because yeah. Leaky Black isn't a huge offensive threat. I still think I figured that, it out. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Uh, it, I still think what happens is is Jalen Wilson goes against probably is goes against me, which I think both of them are interesting matchups for Ochai. If Leaky Black is on him, Leaky Black's a great defender. He just held AJ Griffin to six points on one of seven shooting. AJ Griffin's going to be a top ten pick. Now he's a freshman, so he can be hot and cold, and that's been the case for him this year. But he's still a really good offensive player, and he's got length. It's going to make it tough for Ochai, but also Ochai's coming off a good game, and you need that to continue in this one. But yeah, that other matchup, if it is Jalen Wilson Brady Manick, I mean that that's going to be pretty pivotal. In this game. Um, and one that I think, you know, I view both players being able to score on the other with relative ease. Um, Wilson hasn't got his shooting rolling. So th- they need that to get going. They need the outside shot to get going. They need him to be finishing uh, around the rim. But he keeps grinding. He has 12 more rebounds last game. He's averaging double-digit rebounds in the tournament. Um I-, I thought even though there were a few defensive mess-ups, and I think Jalen can sometimes be at fault to having off-ball defensive mistakes. It feels like a lot of teams have been targeting him at times, and I think at different points this season, that's led to easy buckets for other teams. But I will say, over the home stretch, since maybe the last week of the regular season, I think more often than not, again, it's not perfect. You're not going to stop him every time. Um, But I think more often than not, he has done a pretty good job defending him. It's just this is a different animal. This is, if you're guarding Brady Manick, it's less about what you do when they have the ball in your, when he has the ball in his hands. It's more about what you do when he doesn't have the ball in his hands and and trying to not let him get open off of a screen or off of a back cut. Yeah, yeah, because he's going to be running around quite a bit. Now, on the other end, Brady Manick is not an athletic player. He's not a good defender. Jalen Wilson, if if he is being guarded by, by Brady Manick, he has to be a primary threat yeah, on can, offense. He can blow by him. Whenever he wants. Yeah. Yeah. And he has to be able to do that in this game. And then if you come in to help, he can pitch it off to Dave for, for a dunk. So that's a huge matchup. And both those guys do have the ability to go for 20 tonight. Like, without a doubt. Yeah, they've shown it consistently. Mm-hmm. I mean, we yeah, we just, well, I mean, um, Self just said Manick and um, the other big shooter for Carolina. Uh, uh, Leaky com- Black? Have combined for more. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, Caleb Love. Yeah, Love and and Manic have combined for more three or more three point attempts <laughs> than the entire Kansas team this tournament. It's 91 to 90. It's crazy, crazy. So they're gonna fire up a lot of threes from those guys, and they're capable of hitting them. So whoever is on Brady Manic, you have to like that. That is almost you know whoever's being guarded by Brady Manic, you become a focal point on offense. But whoever's guarding Brady Manick, you become a focal point on defense. At least one of them. I mean, there's a lot of talented, great and, players. And on if the court. Wilson can get going, if Manick is indeed guarding Wilson, and and Wilson gets going, 
that could slow Manic down, and then a lot of his three-point shots, if, he, if he's got tired legs, could fall short. Absolutely. Um, the other matchups that are of interest, David McCormick, and um, we talked about this a little bit, Armando Baycott. Dave dominated a favorable matchup for him when he was going up against Villanova. It wasn't favorable for him on defense, but on offense it was. Um, this is a real big matchup. Baycott is one of the best college centers in the country. He, in that game against Duke, broke Tim Duncan's record for most double-doubles in ACC history. So that tells you what kind of guy this is, right? Um, and that's not a case of like, oh, Tim Duncan was a one-and-done. Tim Duncan stayed, what, three, four years first, in college? First 20-something rebound game in a Final Four since Nick Collison in 03. So he is a, he's a hell of a player. He just is. Um, and the closest thing that you can look at statistically, like Oscar Shibway is at like 17 points, 15 rebounds a game. Baycott's at like 16 and 13. Yeah. That's basically the type of guy he is. He's a guy that, you know, I think he has a little bit more to him in the post that you can give him the ball and, and let him go to work, whereas Shibway is more of um, drop-offs, pick-and-rolls, get dunks, get offensive putbacks. Baycott does that stuff, too. He has a little more post-game to him. It's not a ton more, though. It's it's very similar to being the same player. A big man who is athletic, he is strong, he has a high one-two, he has a high motor, and he is going to really test you on the glass. And KU did not pass the first test against Kentucky. No. They have to pass it tonight. We want you wonder if this game. I don't think it will, but if this game goes well below the over under, which I think is one fifty something, one fifty one. If it gets, and I'm not saying like one forty nine. I'm saying if it gets into like the one thirties, this could be a game where looking back, you could say, well, the reason for that is is because shots didn't fall because they were so concerned about they were using so much each team was using so much energy on the defensive end that they played sloppy offense i don't necessarily predict that happening but it's it's a possibility you know what i'm saying yeah like they're going to be so focused on locking down a, a good offense because each of these teams have been really good offensively um that you could say that that it's then on the other side of the court you know they're going to put up or they're going to the you know shoot uh poorly because they've used so much of their legs on the defensive end. Yeah, no, that absolutely could. It absolutely could. And you're running up and down in a high-paced game. If you're yeah. not hitting shots, then it's more tiring, right? Um, I don't know how much you can really count on Mitch in this matchup. Mitch struggled against Villanova on the glass. He did hit a big like little hook shot at the end of the first half when Nova had got it down to, I think, to, 9. Or to 9, yeah, and that's why it went to 11. And it was off of a miss. Yeah. I think Jalen Mil- Wil- 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 Wilson missed a, a layup. Um, and Mitch put it back. I think yeah. was how that happened. And then that's why you go in up double digits, mm-hmm. which was huge, I think. It was. And it ended like a, you know, unanswered run from Villanova. Um, I don't know when, when Baycott's in there specifically. I don't know how that might not be great for Mitch um, individually as a matchup. Now, maybe when they have one of their I don't know what fives, he could do against him. No, you don't, which means that's even more pressure on Dave to not just play well, not get in foul trouble. Not get in foul trouble. And, and, to that point, which again goes back to the idea that you can't have him in foul trouble, like you're going to probably need 25 to 30 minutes from Dave tonight. You just are. Yeah, and it helps. You got, even though he was incredible, you only you got 29 minutes out of him. You know, it's not like he played. I do wonder. Now, look, these are college kids. They're in incredible shape. Um, you do question if it, if if you know that was kind of the story last year. Well, was last year's title game, you know, the way it was because Gonzaga was so tired from playing an incredible game against UCLA. Uh, I don't know if that was the case um, because I, you know, I, I also think a lot of it just had to do with how, how athletic Baylor is or Baylor was. Um, and, you know, 
super athletic teams bother Gonzaga. And so I, I don't know if that was, but if, if, you know, you could wonder, it's worth wondering, is North Carolina going to be a little tired from how crazy their game, not just emotionally, but just physically? Because that was an amazing game. Yeah, Saturday I mean, night. there's no guarantee that it does. And, and if North Carolina wins, it's not even going to be talked about, right? But if they lose or they look sluggish or they have a bad three-point shooting game or whatever, they start slow or something, like that absolutely is going to be part of the conversation. And, you know, we had those same conversations back in the NFL season. Remember, the Chiefs beat the Bills in that crazy yeah. game. And that was one of the things we talked about in the Bengals game. Now, I don't, I don't know how much that game specifically mattered because the Chiefs started really well. But who knows? Maybe you were running on fumes a little bit more than you normally would in the second half. And the idea that, you know, you have this amazing game, sometimes there's a letdown. We've seen that in the Final Four before. I mean, Wisconsin beats undefeated Kentucky, and yeah. it's like, wow. Kentucky was unstoppable. Wisconsin's been great all year. They beat yeah. them. Clearly, the, the the path is open for Wisconsin. Yeah, and US, then they lose. U.S. versus Finland. Yeah. They, they beat them. That was an example of a team not having a mm-hmm. letdown. Um, but, yeah, sometimes these letdowns do happen. Part of it is the emotion. And then also part of it is – and, look, sometimes part of it is just it's, it's basketball and sometimes you lose games. But then um, there's the emotion, but there's just also the physicality. They just played a super – you know, they just, they just beat a team with – probably four first-round draft picks. Yeah. And that takes a lot it out does. of It does, especially, again, that was an up-and-down game as well. So uh, the other and last one I want to briefly mention, Dewan Harris, I don't know who he's going to be matched up on. You need his defense a lot tonight, and he's been great in his NCAA tournament career, 10 of 15 from three. They need him to step up, make whoever it is. I'd imagine, I don't know, I could see him on Love or Davis because Davis is kind of the, like, to make a K-State comparison, Davis is kind of like Marquise Noel, super athletic, can get in the teeth of the defense. And uh, Love is more like Nigel Pack, like he can just catch fire from the outside. Both can make shots and shoot it, but it's a little bit like that. So I, I, we'll see who uh, Dewan Harris is on, but that'll be a big matchup for him, and they need his defense a lot tonight. All right, we're going to play some more audio for you on the other side. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, and KLWN.com. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Derek Johnson with Adam Dravetta, David Lawrence. Going to join the show in about 10, 15 minutes from right now. We're out early today at 5.30. Hopefully tomorrow will be a uh, fun show, to say the least. Okay, we have 10 prop bets for the game between Kansas and North Carolina. Let's get the music rolling and go over all these different prop bets. First, Ochag Baji is over-under for points is 16 and a half. God, that's such a perfect spot for it, too. Um, I'm going to take the under. I'll, I think he's more like 15. But that is that is the perfect spot for it. I mean, it's it's hard to, after the way he shot it last game, and his season average is, is 18.9. It's true. It's like, why would you not take the over? But again, good defender on him in Leaky Black. Um, and he went he went 6 of 7 from 3. He still had, what, 21 points? Yeah, so it's three free throws were his other. Yeah. He didn't make a two-point basket. So it's he not only like attempted one. But. As, as, as on fire as he was, it's not like he scored 30. Yeah. But he was on fire. <sighs> I'm going to go over. Somebody, I can't remember who it was, but somebody said I wouldn't wouldn't disappoint me if he goes Jerry McNamara again Monday night. No, it would not. Um, does that worry you at all if he does go under? Like, do you? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm picking North Carolina to cover okay. the four anyway. So I, I think it's going to be such a tight game. And, yeah, I, that would worry me. And that's part of the reason I'm picking them to go under. I'm going over on Ochai. Sweet. I, 
they need him to pick it up. I'll say this. If he scores 20 again, you're in a great feel spot. Feel good with that. Yeah. Okay, how about this one? David McCormick and Remy Martin over under 23 points. I probably would take the under there. I think Remy could. And hypothetically, you could get 20 from one guy. That's the thing. But Remy could heat up a bit and get like to 10. And then Dave would only need 10. But I really don't know. If Banco, if you could tell me, if you could tell me right now that Bangkok is going, but is truly 60% because of the ankle, then I'd feel way more confident. But I just don't know. I, I really wonder if if he's just at complete hundred percent and it's not, yeah, we're gonna try to see what he is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I just hope this isn't a game where Dave gets in foul trouble. That would be Yeah, I know. A, a really Mitch bad would have scenario. no answer for Bangkok. No. Um I'll take the under on this one. Remy struggled the last game. It'd be great if he went off, but I don't know. I'm feeling the under on that one. Uh, okay, uh, Armando Baycott plus Caleb Love over under 33 points. That's a lot. Um, I'll go under there. I actually don't know that this game hits the over under. Or hits the, the, I don't think it hits We'll get there 51. in a moment. So I'm going to take under. A lot of the, these scoring ones I'm going to take under on. I would take the over on that one. Because it's, what, 17 for one and 16 for another? Or yeah, the, some other the actual over-unders that were set for each player to get to 33. It was 17 and a half for Love, 15 and a half for Baycott. Yeah. That'd be, they're in a great, great spot if they hit that. I'll take a slight over on that one. They've just both been absolutely on fire. And I think with Baycott, like, a lot of his points are just going to come because he gets offensive rebounds with Love. He makes contested tough shots. I don't know how much Kansas can do about it. Okay, here here's an interesting one. More points, Brady Manick minus four, or Jalen Wilson? Yeah, um, that's a really good one. I would probably lean Manick minus the four. Um but I don't know, because he I think I think he could get defended pretty well. You know what? I'll say Jalen. I like Jalen with the four. Like I said, I, I think Manic could have a good game if KU falls asleep on him and, and lets him open for three, which they've done at times with three-point shooters this year. But I also think that Jalen should be in for a pretty good offensive game against Brady Manic. The other side of that is, you know, they're good offensive rebounding team. And, that, you know, we just saw Saturday night how many how many open threes came from offensive boards. Yeah. So I'll take Jay. I, I I think Manic could score anywhere between fifteen and twenty. I think Wilson could give you anywhere between fifteen and twenty. I'll take Jalen plus the four there. Dewan Harris over under three and a half assists. Over. I think this this, which kind of goes against what I've said, but um, I think if it is indeed, maybe I'm just hedging, but if it indeed is a fast paced, high scoring game, Dewan's shown an ability to get five, six, seven assists. Yeah, I think you need him to get over three and a half assists. In a high-paced game, there's a lot of possessions, a lot of points. That would be a good sign if that happens. Christian Brown, over, under, one and a half, three-point makes. I had the over on the Dewan, by the way. Um, Say it again, one and a half? Uh, yeah. For- I'll give him two. I'll take the over. You need him to be aggressive and shoot threes in this game. Um, I will take the over. He seems to be a guy that would step up in a big moment, so I'll take the over on this one. Over, under, one and a half mentions of Coach K during the game broadcast. Over. So when I say during the game broadcast, like halftime pregame doesn't count. Over. Still over? Because I think, well. Just mentions. Doesn't have to be shown on the screen. He won't be there, right? I don't. I. That's a good question. I don't know. 
I'm still It'll thinking. For sure I'm still once th- will the be thing up. is, it's going to be brought up because North Carolina right. beat them. So for sure, at least once. I'll say two. Yeah, I'll give the over. I'll go the over as well. If I said two and a half, would you still go over? No. I, okay. think, I think two, two and a half, or two is the sweet spot. I don't know if this is the right number for this one either. Over under four and a half shots of Roy Williams live at the game during the game broadcast. So again, oh, not pregame or halftime. That well, I was trying to think about this. Like, how many it's times the do they is, show these people? If North Carolina, if it's a close game, they're going to keep going Every back Every time. What's the number here? Nine and a half? I don't know. I would take the over on that, though. I, I'll have to go back and see how much they showed him toward the end of the like, game. Like, how often did they show Sister Jean? They, how often they did they show showing, Roy in the and last And they kept game? showing Roy and, uh, and, and Coach K's wife. So, I don't know. Ten and a half? I don't know. I'll take whatever. What did you list the over? Four and a half. Yeah, yeah I think I'll it's take clear the over. there. I think that was undersold. Uh, over under 151 points for the game. I'm going under. I think it's a. I think it's a lower. I don't think it's crazy low score. I don't think it's in the 50s, but I think it's a low. I think it's a lower scoring game than that number would suggest. Yeah, so Vegas has this game something like 77, 73, 78, 73, 78, 74, somewhere in that range. I think I'm gonna go over. Yeah. I think this is a high scoring, high paced, fun, action packed game with two teams who have a lot of dudes. Two teams who have a lot of shot makers. A couple teams that you have questions about. How does this guy defend this guy at a certain at, at a spot or two? I'll take the over there. I like that. Uh, Kansas minus four versus North Carolina. I'll take Carolina in the points. I'm taking Carolina with the points as well. I think it's a close game down to the wire at the very end, and it's just going to come down to who makes the uh, big shot at the very end, which that doesn't make me feel comfortable because Caleb Love has consistently done that for North Carolina so far this tournament. But uh, who knows? Should be an exciting one and uh, maybe some revenge in store for Greg Gurley for the 93 Final Four. Maybe some uh, Wilt revenge for Wilt and, I don't know, Ron Lineski and whoever else was on that team in 1957 for the triple overtime game. Uh, could you imagine if this was a triple overtime game? I don't think my heart could take it. Also, the game would end at like 3 in the morning. Exactly. All right, he's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to be joined next by David Lawrence. He'll be on the uh, broadcast for the Jayhawk Radio Network coming up in a bit. You're listening to RCST on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com. The first NCAA tournament vignette from Westwood One. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Well, in just a little bit, we're going to scoot out of the way for pregame coverage. We have our Westwood One championship coverage that goes from 5.30 to 6.30. Then at 6.30, the Jayhawk Radio Network takes over. And David Lawrence, Sean Kellerman will have your pregame there before Brian Haney and Greg Gurley take over with tip-off set for 8-20 tonight between Kansas and North Carolina and the national championship game here at here on KLWN as well as our sister station, 105.9 KISS. Joined now by David Lawrence ahead of game time. Before we get into the basketball stuff, we had Brian on. I forget if it was last Thursday or last Friday, but um, he said that that the dinner plans, uh, it's it's been a lot of seafood, and uh, a lot of that has been a pick of one David Lawrence. I'm curious, who gets the deciding votes when you guys all go out on the road and and go out to eat? Max Falkenstein, every time. (laughs) He was the guy. Everyone would present their opinion, but it really came down to Max. So since... Since Max has left us, and uh, 
And we miss him. It, it, it's it's really been pretty open. I think our tastes are pretty similar. Uh, probably more. Um, I mean, Brian's a steak guy. I'm more of a Mexican guy. Um, and down here, you know, you, you've got to go for Cajun and seafood. And we did get the opportunity um, yesterday to, to a place that I frequented back in 2012. Um, lines have been long, so you got to pick and choose your times. And sometimes, you know, you're not going to go to your favorite spot because you do want to get this meal in. So uh, it's great time. New Orleans does it great. That's why they host so many of these. Third time for a Final Four here. And, um, you know, it, it, it's always fun. But it's about cutting down nets. And we have not done that yet. So I think this is our best opportunity, and we'll talk about why. But, uh, you know, you got to feel good about where Kansas is at, right? So many people make a big deal about how, you know, great the seasons are and your averages. But, you know, to factor in averages in December and January for a matchup in April, you know, that doesn't make sense, right? And it's who's hot lately. So don't look at North Carolina C. They they are uh, right up there with Kansas as the two best teams in college basketball right now. Yeah, if you uh, look at certain metric sites like Bark Torvik has a, a way of looking at efficiency by certain dates. Kansas is actually the number one team from February 1st on. North Carolina is the number one team since March 1st on. So uh, certainly this should be quite the uh, clash between two teams, that two blue bloods, two teams that are kind of tied together in the history of their programs. When you look at you know Dean Smith and, and Roy Williams, and um, there have been some of these other meetings at, at pretty crucial times. Uh, throughout the tournament, whether it was Kansas in the Elite Eight in 2012 or the Final Four in 2008, or how about 1991 when Hubert Davis scored 25 points, but Kansas was able to beat him in the Final Four, or 1993 when your colleague Greg Gurley had his season come to an end against North Carolina. There have been some great matchups in this series, but certainly none of them going to trump uh, going for a title. No question, and it is uh, by far the most frequented matchup in the Final Four, Kansas and North Carolina. Um, no one else has more than three matchups. Uh, we've got the winning edge overall, but they've won the two title tilts in the game you just mentioned, plus, of course, the most Yeah, 1957, in- right? Yeah, who can forget 57? I know that was, of course, that happened about 40 minutes from you at Municipal Auditorium on quite a night in a triple overtime between UNC and Kansas. Yeah, we'll see if, uh, who knows, maybe the ghost of Wilt Chamberlain will be on their side tonight. Uh, David McCormick certainly looked like he was a man possessed by Wilt on uh, Saturday's game against Villanova. And and as I look at this matchup, you know, it's, it's one thing to do it against a Villanova team that is a little bit undersized. That's going to be quite the challenge for him to do it against Armando Baycott, who uh, is pretty much just a walking double-double for Carolina. Walking, talking, uh, he can do it all. Best rebounder in the country and a very difficult matchup. Um, But David McCormick, as you just mentioned, he's coming off of a season high. So, uh, you know, you you got to like Dumas and what he can bring to this one and and Baycott everyone knows that he had the uh, he had the little ankle injury so we'll see how that works out 
Uh, I think, uh, you know, I don't know if it's staged or not, but, you know, he, he really struggled in getting to the podium. He had his own individual presser yesterday, and uh, he was not ready to play. But, of course, the game wasn't yesterday. Um, he walked with a very noticeable limp, and, uh, you, you know, you got adrenaline, you've got, you know, the peak time in his life, you've got modern medicine, technology, you know, working for him. We shall see, you know, just what percent that uh, Armando oh, Baycott uh, has, has tonight. You know, you got to be ready for his best, right? And I think D-Mac will, but... I like our guy, and uh, a repeat performance like that, then Kansas wins. Is there an individual matchup? I don't know. Maybe it is that center spot with, with Dave and Armando Baycott, but is there maybe outside of that an individual matchup that you're most intrigued by in, in how you think it could affect tonight's result? Two, Derek, and you know we've been discussing this. We don't have any inside information, uh, but uh, the UNC stop guy right now is Caleb Love. I mean, this guy scored 26, 27 just in the last two second halves. And, you know, height-wise, you think, well, that's perfect for Ochai Abaji, but if, uh, you know, if, if Oach guards him, then I don't know if Oach is going to be nearly as productive on the offensive end. So you would go to, who is our magic guy? And our magic guy is my man, Dwan Harris. You know, um, he's not as tall. He's six foot. He's listed at six one. I don't know if he's six one. He's got long arms, and I I think he's kind of our. I don't know if he's a hidden secret anymore. I asked him about that yesterday. Um, you know, he kind of deferred away from that. Kind of likes to go the the unnoticed route, but uh, certainly if he can knock down three threes and bring Love's numbers down, uh, he's not going to be an unknown factor anymore. He'll be a superstar. So pulling for that. And then on their side, uh, Leaky Black, how about that name? Six foot eight, best defender they have, will have a length advantage on Ochai, but uh, I expect Ochai to have Leaky on him. So let's see who um, whose defender, best defender, can best take away the other team's best offensive player. I think that could be a critical matchup. We're talking with David Lawrence here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You know, KU's win over Villanova almost felt a little bit like a business trip. Like, clearly they were excited and they celebrated and everything, but there was a lot of talk after the game. You saw from players and audio clips about, you know, one more. We came to Kansas not just to, to win this game. We came to Kansas to win the title. And I'm not saying that's not the case for North Carolina. They obviously still want to win the title, too. And how do you not get motivated for this game? But do you think that plays in at all into this one that North Carolina did have the late game and they had – all the hoopla and hype headed into that game, and you win that game and end Coach K's career and beat your rival. Is there at all a little bit of an emotional letdown that you could see happening from Carolina tonight? Without a doubt. I mean, we, we felt going into the Villanova matchup that whoever won would have their advantage. Uh, because, you know, the discussion here at the pressers is just like it is on the national coverage. Uh, it was about 85% Duke UNC. And um, after the game, you know, Kansas celebrated momentarily and then went back to the locker rooms, came to the hotel, 
And it didn't look like that. It looked like after the UNC Duke game that they had just won a championship. And um, it'll be forever remembered. But as Armando Bacot said yesterday, we don't get to hang a banger, a banner for uh, beating Duke. We've, we've got to win a national title to hang the banner. So uh, they're saying the right things. It's just emotionally, uh, are they a little spent from that? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious if that... I mean, it, it'll be a storyline. If it doesn't happen, then it won't be talked about. But if they do come out a little bit slow, then I'm sure it will be. So, uh, Crimson and Blue show starting uh, in a little bit here. Uh, what do you guys have going on uh, for the show today? Well, I, I saw Jay Billis yesterday. I said, Jay, it's a national championship game. I need a national championship type of analyst to come on with us. And he said, <laughs> absolutely. So he will join us. And then an interesting local interview with uh, UNC's Brad Frederick. Uh, Brad, of course, the son of Dr. Bob Frederick, one of the most beloved Jayhawks ever. And uh, as I talk with Brad that maybe he owes me just a little bit of of the credit for his fine basketball career, being assistant coach at Vandy in now nine seasons at UNC, because back when he was in junior high, he was uh, one of my students at South But he also came out for the football team, and I promised his mom, Margie, that eighth-grade football, you don't have big collisions. He's safer than riding a bicycle, which, of course, you know, statistics back that up. And so Margie said, all right, I'm going to let him come out. Second day of practice, he breaks his ring finger, so... (laughs) <laughs> not, I, not only did I have to deal with Margie Frederick, I, I certainly made it possible for Brad never to play football again and have a basketball career, which he probably would have had anyway, but uh, made for a fun conversation. Well, here's David Lawrence. David, look forward to hearing you on the action tonight and hopefully a lot of uh, excitement to talk about in the aftermath. Before we let you go, one last thing with Adam. All right, David, one last thing. We brought this up earlier in the interview. Uh, a bigger number, the amount of threes Ochai hit the other night or pounds of seafood you've put away on this trip? <laughs> wow. Uh, that, that's an interesting one. I, You know, not that I haven't hit it hard, but I, I don't <laughs> think I've got to six pounds. That's a uh, lot of food. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be, so. That'd be amazing. I, I've not shied away from food here, but I've not. At my favorite seafood place, I only got there once because of the long lines. Uh, so um, we have done a lot of fun things here. And uh, I'm, I'm a little bit old for Bourbon Street, but uh, we did uh, we did get there a couple of times and tried to get off of it as fast as we could, at least for people over 60. And uh, I led the charge there. But uh, who knows after this one? I won't get off the air till about 1 a.m. So <laughs> the city that never sleeps will see if they're awake at 1 a.m. because it could be a celebratory mood had by all back here at the team hotel. Well, that's certainly the hope. David, appreciate the time. And uh, like I said, looking forward to hearing you on the action. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. 
right, that is David Lawrence, and that's going to do it for our show. We're out early. Westwood One coverage going to take over from 5.30 to 6.30 here on KLWN. Then it's 6.30 pregame coverage with the Jayhawk Radio Network till tip-off at 8.20. You can hear the KU portion of it on 105.9 KISS, our sister station, and here on KLWN. For Adam Dravet, I'm Derek Johnson. Hope we have some fun things to talk about tomorrow. Rock Chalk, talk to you later here on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.